I got a question. First of all, let me just let me just stop and acknowledge that worship set was on fire. That 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 had some pepper on it. It really did. And I saw some of y'all. You started out like this, but I saw a couple of people do this. Like you, you did this. You did this. I saw it. I saw it. You went uncrossed. And you were like, "Oh God, oh God, you better watch it because next week you'll be right here. You'll be right here." And, and then, and then you'll be like this, and then you better watch. I mean, you gotta watch it because you like pull a calf muscle when you get my age. Anyway, um, one of the things I think we have in common. In fact, let me set it up with this question. And and you're in church, so you kind of got to be honest with the answer on this one. Have you ever felt like you're not enough? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most people are. Most people are. Unless you're a narcissist, and then that's a whole nother problem. But all of us have probably wrestled with that. Pretty enough. Strong enough. Godly enough. Um, it, it, it's all, we all wrestle with that because when you feel like you get to that place where you are enough, doesn't it seem like somebody else comes along that's way better than you? I, I never will forget, um, when I first started working out, like lifting weights, my goal on the bench press was to be able to bench press 315 pounds. That's three 45-pound plates on each side and the bar's 45 pounds. And so I just wanted to do it one time. That's all I wanted to do. And uh, it was years and years and years ago. Like, I couldn't do it today for a million dollars. I mean, I'd try. I mean, I'd try. I, I, would, I, would, I would try. I'd give it a shot. But it doesn't matter. So anyway, I, I finally worked up to it, and I got to the place where I could do 345 one time. And I felt really awesome about myself. Wasn't very long until I finished that that a guy walks into the gym. I still remember his name. And he walks in. And he goes, hey, is anybody using this bench? And I was like, nah, man, I'm done. I'm done. I, I, I lifted that right there. That, that, I just lifted that. You know, I didn't say that out loud, but I wanted him to know it. And he was like, no problem. And I thought he was going to start taking weights off. He lays, he lays down on the bench. Cold, like he hadn't, even, he hadn't even done a push-up or anything. Unracks and does it like five or six times without, without struggling. Racks it and goes, I feel like that's enough for today. And I was like, you know what? I quit working out forever. I'm done. Because... You get to that point where you feel like you've accomplished something and somebody comes along and they make you feel like you're not enough. You, they make you feel like you're not smart enough. There's people in this room that have kind of wrestled with that your whole life. I have. Because in first grade, I made straight A's. I still think my parents bought the teachers off. I'm not sure. But I can remember in, in the fifth grade being told I was being put in special classes. And, and later to find out, it was remedial classes because reading comprehension was just something I, could, I couldn't grasp reading comprehension. And so I just didn't feel smart enough. You ever felt pretty enough? I mean, with Instagram today, good God, look what you got to compete with. You got filters and all these people and places, and they're taking pictures of their family, and their family's perfect, and you can't get your family together to stop fighting for like one picture you can throw up on Instagram and pretend you're happy for 10 minutes, right? It always feels like we're not enough, and then, and then, and then we go to church. And I don't know about you, but I've wrestled with feeling godly enough my whole life. Um, I remember when I became a Christian, and I got you know, got saved or whatever tag or label you're going to put on that. It was awesome. And I was told, I was told, and if you became a Christian, you were probably told this too, that Jesus saves you, that you don't save you, that Jesus saves you, that Jesus power washes your soul and makes you into a brand new person. And yes, and amen, and we believe that, but Jesus saves you, but you better not screw it up. 
Like, it's almost like Jesus saves you, but he can't sustain you. And then if something's wrong in your life, it's your responsibility to figure it out. In fact, um, this, is, this, this next thing is kind of like the mentality I know I had for years as a Christian. And it was this. If you want more, then you need to do more. If you want more from God, you need to do more for God. So when I became a Christian, talking to people, and they're like, okay, you need to start reading your Bible. I was like, great. I love the Bible. Um, what, what, are you, what are you thinking? Like maybe five, ten minutes more? Oh, no, 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 no. I got in the five-chapter-a-day club. There's a group of guys. We read five chapters a day. It was awesome. Except we got Leviticus. They, they were killing everything. They were killing goats. They were killing bulls. They, I was like, I, I just keep reading. Just plow through. It gets better. That's what they told me. So I just kind of kept plowing through. I got through Leviticus. Um, and then I got to Numbers. That was what honestly wasn't much better. But anyway, I just kind of plowed through five chapters a day. Awesome. Felt good about myself. And then and then came to prayer. And so how long People were like, how long are you praying? I was like, well, I... I pray three times a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I mean, I got that down. I got that nailed. They're like, no, 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 no. You need to spend like an hour a day in prayer. I'm like, oh, dear God. I don't think I could spend an hour a week. No, no, you got to spend an hour a day. And I'm I'm not a good praying person. Like, I, I don't pray very well. Like, if you ask me to come to your public thing and give like this blessing, have you ever been to the blessing, the, the blessing where the, the guy out there is having his quiet time in front of everybody and he's yelling at God and calling him every name? This is, this is how I pray. If I go to a public gathering, it doesn't matter. I pray the same prayer every time. Perry, would you thank God for the food? Yes, here we go. Everybody bow your head. God, thanks for the food. Amen. That's my blessing every week. At staff, at staff meeting, when we all meet for lunch, that's my blessing every week. Because I was, and I'm serious when I say it. And then, um, so I was trying to do all the hour a day prayer, and then they're like, "Um, then you need a journal. Like, what's journaling? Is that like writing down a couple of thoughts? No, 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 it's writing out your prayers to God, like your most heartfelt, deepest desires to God. I'm like, you write that down? They're like, yeah. I'm like, dear God, I would never write that down. If somebody found that, oh my, I mean, Wow. No, no, you got to do it if you want to be godly. So I, I got on that journey where I was praying and I was reading my Bible and I was um, journaling and I was serving and I was giving and I was doing everything and it always felt like it wasn't enough. And, and, and that's the way that some people in this room feel, that you've been on the journey of what I call spiritual activity and it seems the more you do, and, and, and by the way, when you're reading your Bible and you're praying and you're doing everything right and dotting the I's and crossing the T's, and then you begin to deal with something like anxiety, depression, addiction, and you go to a, a spiritual leader and you say, this is what I'm right. You know what they tell you? Do more, try harder. You ever been there? So you read your Bible more, you pray more, you do more, you try harder. Let me ask you a question. Does that work? No, it never has. But we dive into it over and over again. And these type of people, and I know these type of people because I was one of these type of people for years. These type of people have three common characteristics. Number one, they're judgmental. They're judgmental. 
A lot of people have walked away from church, and we read all these articles about how people are leaving church in droves. And do you know none of the reasons that people are leaving the church have anything to do with Jesus, but a lot of the reasons have to do with you met somebody that's incredibly judgmental? Now, let's be honest. We're all a little bit judgmental, aren't we? Aren't we? Like two yeses. Everybody else, no, not me. Okay, let me ask you this question. Who's the mo- Just don't answer out loud. Just think about it. Who's the most messed up person you know? If you didn't answer you, you're judgmental. No, I'm serious. Every time I'm breaking news story, so-and-so did such-and-such, and so-and-so did such-and-such, the only reason we love to point at their junk is because, listen, what if our junk got broadcast today at 6 o'clock? We would leave town at 7, right? And it's easy. That's what happened. I would, I would judge people. You didn't read the Bible as much as me. You don't pray as much as me. And we become incredibly judgmental. We, we begin to point down at people and look down at people. And this is what happens to people that get caught up in a bunch of spiritual activity, but actually has no intimacy with Jesus. The second thing that happens is, is really unique is they get angry. <laughs> Have you... First of all, let me tell you something about Christians, and nobody's going to tell you this, but I'll tell you this because I don't care. It's just true. Christians, a lot of times, are angry because their non-Christian friends are outdoing things that we secretly wish we were doing, and you're having fun, and we're saying you're not having fun, and we're having fun reading our Bible, and you're out cranking the nene and doing everything that you're doing and putting it on Inst- Instagram, and then we're, that we're, we're just angry. Did y'all like that? I mean, that's all I got. And we're angry. We're and, 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 and. Let's just be real, real, real honest. Have you ever been angry at somebody else because they got the blessing that you think you should have got? Oh, don't look at me like that. I've been mad. God, how could you bless him? God, do you know what he did last week? I do. It's on his Facebook page. And you're going to give him a raise? You're going to give him a promotion? You're going to give her that car? You're going to give her that guy? And I'm, what, what do I got, God? Oh, read my Bible more? Become angry. And then the third thing is, honestly, is that I always felt like I was not enough. Here's crazy. There are so many people that are Christians that you're dealing with, like, depression, anxiety, Fear, addiction, worry, disease, and you think it's because you haven't done enough. If you would have just prayed more, read your Bible more, served more, given more, that that, whatever that is, wouldn't have happened. That's heavy, isn't it? I can't, do you know? As an 11-year-old kid for years, I thought that my mother's death, because my mother passed away when I was 11, I thought her death was my fault because I didn't pray hard enough or read my Bible enough or go to church. I, I thought if I would have done those things that God would have healed my mother. I thought it was all dependent upon me. Now, that type of mentality, that type of mentality, do more, try harder, it's not working. We'll do even more, try even harder, has led to three big ideas I want to share today. Now, let me kind of put this out there. The next three things I'm about to share 
are statements that I do not agree with. They were said by very popular evangelical leaders. I'm not going to say their name, but I am going to say their statement. Somebody like, you trying to start a fight? Always. Um, but, but, I, I just, but I'm not going to say their name, but they said it, so I'm just going to repeat what they said. Now, do, I, I'm going to tell you, don't, please don't amen these next three statements. And if you do, if you want to amen them, just amen them inside because if you amen this out loud, I'm going to make fun of you. Um, no, I really am because I don't agree with these. I don't agree with these at all. But here we go. Three statements that if you're caught up in a religious mindset, you're tempted to believe automatically. Here we go. Christianity can be rightly described as a wholehearted, unflinching devotion to Jesus. Okay, if this is a Christian, I'm not a Christian. You know why? Because I've never been wholehearted and unflinching in my devotion to anything. And neither have you. Some of you are like, oh, but my kids. Uh-uh, uh-uh, your kids don't even fall in that category, dads. Let's say yesterday you're watching the football game and your favorite team is driving down the field and there's less than a minute to go and they got no timeouts, but they're moving the ball and it looks like they might score and oh my gosh, and you're so caught up in the game and your five, six-year-old comes up and goes, daddy, will you read the Bible to me? What do you say? No, go find your mama. Go read Leviticus about a goat. They, we'll, we'll get with it, we'll get later, right? You're not... And, and moms, moms, don't look at me like you're polishing your halo because let me ask you a question, moms. You ever hid from your children? Huh? You ever hid from your children? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, we're, mom, we're going to play hide and seek, little boys, little girls. Go count to 5,000, right? And you go and sit in the car in the garage going, I just need some peace, Jesus. I just need some peace. I just need some peace. Hey, some of the loudest fans in the first quarter, if the team isn't winning by the third quarter, they'll leave the game. So, so I'm just saying that, that, that that's not... And, and, and here's the other problem. This statement puts all the work on us and none of the work on Jesus. Here's the second one that I do not agree with, by the way. Here we go. A Christian is one who lives in absolute submission to God. If this is what you have to be to be a Christian, then I am the engineer on the Hell Express. <laughs> Some of you are like, I already knew that. I mean, I, that's obvious. No, no, I, absolute, like, like complete submission? Like absolute submission? Have you ever told God no? Yep. Okay, one honest person. Everybody, no, I always say yes to the Lord. No, you don't. I told God no this week. This is the one I'll tell you about. Um, <laughs> I was in Publix. I have some interesting talks with God in Publix. And we're, I'm in Publix, and I'm kind of going for this cash register. There's a lady going for the cash register. She's a little bit older, um, and she's got less items in her buggy. I know because I always count. I don't know if you do that, but I count and judge. Um, so I'm counting all the items. I quickly make I was like, okay, she can get through. And, and as I'm coming up, the Holy Spirit just kind of spoke to my heart and said, you need to let her go first. And, and I was like, absolutely, I, I need to do that. And then I looked, and you know what she was holding in her hand? Coupons <laughs> and a checkbook. <laughs> was it you? I'm not, I'm not. 
you're not old. You're not old, though. You're not old. I'm like, God, you can, you can strike me dead. I don't care. I would rather you strike me with lightning, God, than to get behind coupon and checkbook lady. So no, thank you. I was not submissive to God. I resisted in that moment. Everybody, like all of us, all of us have done this. So, so we say statements like this, and then people that have received Jesus, they're like, well, I could and then, and then this is the next one, and this is the one I really don't agree with. It's this. If a person professes to be a Christian and then wanders off, it does not mean he has lost his salvation. It means he was never actually saved. Yeah, have you heard that one? Now, this is all I'm going to say. If this is true, none of the disciples were saved. Because when they came to arrest Jesus, they all ran away. See, the problem with these statements is they sound so good on the surface to a religious community, but it puts all the work on us and none of the work on Jesus. That's why I believe that one of the best definitions of Christianity is this. Christianity is not about us holding on to Jesus. It's about Jesus holding on to us. That's what Christianity is about. Christianity is about the fact that even when, when we let go, that he never lets go. That even when we turn our back on him, he doesn't turn his back on us. That even when we try to live without him, he's still around us. In fact, when I look back over my life, some of the times I thought he wasn't there, he was more present than I could have ever imagined. I just wasn't aware enough to see that he was with me the whole time. In fact, as we read in the scripture, he had a plan for us before we were even born. So at the end of the day, me being a Christian has nothing with me to do with me holding on to Jesus. It has everything to do with the fact that he's holding on to me. It doesn't matter if I'm good. It doesn't matter if I'm bad. It doesn't matter what's going on. Jesus Christ never lets go, period. Which, leads, which, which, which led me to this next thought that kind of blew my mind. There is power in the name of Jesus to save, to sustain, and to break every chain. In other words, when it comes to Christianity, it's not about the work we do. It's about the work that Jesus does. And I think one of the reasons... I know for me that I didn't walk an abundant life for years as I I was depending on me and my work, the name of Perry. But the name of Perry has to be pushed down and the name of Jesus has to be lifted up because Jesus Christ did save me and he will sustain me. And ultimately, Jesus Christ will break every chain that the enemy tries to put on me and and he will break every chain that the enemy tries to put on you because that's who he did, that's who he is and that's what he does. But we get so busy caught up in our work that we can't focus on his work. There's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Here, these are some crazy, crazy, crazy ideas. What have you been reading lately? Philippians. It's this little, little city Paul started a church in. And he's writing to them because they had a problem. Paul went into Philippi and he preached Jesus, salvation through Jesus, and people responded to the gospel message. They believed in the work and the power of Jesus. But then another group came in and they started preaching Jesus and. 
Jesus and. You, yeah, 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 you got you to gotta accept Jesus, but there's something else. And that's where we're going to pick up the story. Paul said, watch out for those dogs, which that's pretty bold language in the Bible. You're calling somebody else a dog, right? Watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil. Now, when Paul says that, when we're reading the Bible, we think, oh, people who do evil, those are the drug dealers and the prostitutes and da-da-da-da-da. But Paul wasn't talking about those people. Paul was talking about the people in the church that do evil. Do you know there's, do you know there's people in the church that do evil? Oh, my God. I heard somebody say recently, and I agree, I'd rather be in a gang fight than a church fight. <laughs> At least gangs identify themselves by their colors. Church people, you don't know who's on your team until you get a shot in the back. That was for free. Anyway, here we go. Those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. Men, would this be a problem? Would this be a problem? Because the women are like, ah, big deal. But, but, but men, let me, I, I, just, I just asked, would, would this be a problem? Because this group of people were coming in, they're going, okay, you got saved, but all the men, you got to be circumcised. So it's salvation and circumcision, which was a major problem in the church. Like mom and, I mean, dad's pulling up with the kids going, you and mom go to in. I'm going to sit out and kind of watch online today. I'm not sure if I want to go in there because I, that little special surgery thing's got me kind of holding back. Paul goes on to say, for we who worship by the spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. Paul said we're relying on Jesus' work, not our work, but Jesus' work. And this is a huge statement. I'm going to show you why. Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. Like all the stuff that we do, Paul said my confidence in there. But then he goes on to explain, and this is fascinating. Watch this. Though I could have confidence in my own effort, if anyone could, indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. Paul said, let me just share with you my spiritual resume. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. Aren't you glad some childhood memories cannot be remembered? Praise God. Um, I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel. So he had done that whole 23andMe thing, and it checked out, all right? And a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew, if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. Watch this, watch this, don't miss this. As for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. Every single person here and everybody watching online, at some point in your life, you've had a good day. Might have been a long time ago. Might have been yesterday, but you had a good, like you got up and things were good and maybe you, maybe you read your Bible or looked at your Bible app and maybe you listened to a worship song or maybe you prayed for somebody. Like you went through the day and you, you feel like you, you, you did it right most of the day. Then the next day happened. Right, and then the next day happened, and we just does anybody besides me struggle with consistency in your walk with Jesus? Like sometimes I feel like I'm walking with Jesus, and sometimes I'm feeling like I'm getting walked on by the world, like that. That and and so, so think about that day. 
on our best day, the Apostle Paul would roll us up and smoke us. That is a reference to CBD, not weed. CBD is legal. Don't judge me. You can get CBD everywhere now. I saw it at the family video store the other day. I'm like, first of all, is there a need for a family video store? And number two, CBD? All right, kids, let's get Spider-Man, popcorn, and uh, a pound. I want a pound of CBD. Like, like, I don't, anyway, wow. So the apostle Paul said, I obeyed the law. So, so Paul had the Old Testament memorized. And he obeyed 619 written laws without fault. We, 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 can't even, we can't even obey the speed limit. So when it comes to working, being, being like Paul has us beat. But then he says this, and this is interesting. He said, I once thought these things were all valuable. He said, I thought all the work that I did, all the spiritual activity. See, Paul was involved in spiritual activity with no intimacy. And when we get involved in spiritual activity, activity with no intimacy with Jesus, we miss the point. And, and Paul said, I thought they were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Have you ever thought, have you ever thought something was valuable and it really was worthless? When I was a kid, I learned that, that your aunts and uncles will lie to you. Adults will lie to you, period, when you're a kid, because it's fun to lie to children. But, but my aunt, I remember one time, I lived on the Mill Hill, and, you know, she came up to see my mom, Aunt Barbara. She's cool and everything. And she said, Perry, did you know I could do magic? And I was like, no, ma'am, this is like before Harry Potter or anything like that, so I didn't know anything. And she's like, no, I can do magic. She said, if you'll go outside and get me a leaf, I'll turn it into a dollar. I was six years old, what I have to lose, you know? So I go outside, I get a leaf, and I came back in, and she put it in her hand, and she said something, like a little chant or something like that, and she wadded the leaf up, and then she did her hands like that, and that was, there was a dollar. To a six-year-old, a dollar bill, that was two packs of Big League Chew and a Coke and a glass bottle that you got a dime for if you turned it back in. I'm, I'm talking old school right here. And I was like, oh, my gosh. She can do magic. And so, you know, she, she leaves or whatever. About a week later, true story, my mom hangs up the phone. And she goes, Perry, I just got off the phone. Your Aunt Barbara is on her way. Huh. I've always been a little entrepreneurial at heart. So I went to the basement. I got one of my dad's five-gallon buckets. I go outside, and I swear to God, I picked every leaf off of every tree that I could find. I was stripping trees. People are like, what are you doing? I'm like, getting rich. I mean, I got leaves. I mean, I'm pushing them down in the bucket, right? I'm just pushing. I got friends helping me. Bring me a leaf. Get that acorn out of here. We need a leaf. I mean, and I've got good, I mean, I'm pressed it down. My Aunt Barbara walked in the door. I walked in the other door with a bucket of leaves that I, because I was going to be a millionaire, right? And she sat down and I put, I said, get to work. <laughs> In my mind, I had the big league chew factory. I mean, I was going to be rich. 
And she just laughed at me hysterically and told me, it's just, it, it, she, she just told me she lied to me. <laughs> now, now, in my family, nobody said they lied to you in the South. We got, I was just messing with you. That means I'm a bald-faced liar. That's what that means. <laughs> but I was carrying around this bucket of leaves around the neighborhood telling all the kids I was going to be rich. But at the end of the day, that bucket of leaves was worthless. You know what our religious activity without a connection to Jesus is? Worthless. I didn't say so. Paul did. And Paul got so adamant that he cussed. Y'all didn't know that, did you? There's a cuss word in the Bible. I'm going to show it to you. Don't get tense. We had a lady last week. She got all pissed off because I cussed last week, which pisses a cuss word for some people. I, you know what? Log off. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> this will always be the most unfiltered service. Always, always, always. Here we go. I'm going to show you all. Watch this. He said, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ. Paul talks about a connection. Connection. It's not a collection of good works. It's not a collection of religious activity. It's a connection. And there's a big difference between someone who assembles a collection and somebody who has a connection. Paul said, it's all about a connection. Knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage. Now, let's talk about that word garbage because it's fascinating in the Greek. In the Greek, it's translated scubala. Everybody say scubala on three. One, two, three. Scubala. All you just cussed in Greek. You say, what's that word mean? Well, I'm not going to say it. I'm just going to tell you it starts with an S. And it rhymes with hit, lit, bit, quit. And it's your favorite emoji on your iPhone, okay? I mean, that's, that's about as detailed as I can get without just saying it. Paul said it, that's what all of my religious work was when I compared it to knowing Christ. He says, so I could gain Christ and become one with him. Paul talks about, once again, there's the connection. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law, which if anybody could count on his own righteousness, it was Paul, and he said, I'm now putting all that aside. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ, for God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ. This is Paul, who had all the activity, and Paul said, I had activity without intimacy, at the end of the day, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Listen, if you're a Christian, did you know that the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us is the same spirit that brought Jesus back from the dead? There's power there. There's power there. There's, there's power in the name of Jesus like we sang about earlier. Paul goes on to say this, I want to suffer with him. 
Paul didn't say that we wouldn't suffer. He said, Paul said, we're going to suffer because he's with us in our suffering. For somebody here that's suffering today, you feel like you've suffered alone. In Christ, you've never suffered alone. And I, I know what it's like. I know what it's like to feel all by yourself and that nobody cares. But I want you to listen to me. You have never suffered alone. He goes on to say, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. So, so I would sum it all up by saying this, that Christianity is not about a collection of good works, but about a connection with Jesus. And unless something's connected, there is no power. I discovered this a few weeks ago. My, my dog, Chance, he's crazy. He's literally crazy. Um, and so we were playing fetch. We played fetch yesterday on um, Alabama LSU game the whole first half, and he never got tired. I'm like, I'm just going to throw this ball till you get tired. And um, I finally was like, you know what? I'm tapping out. Go lay down. Um, but I was playing fetch with him one night, and I was, it was one of those things. You know how you multitask? You're on the phone, but you're not really on the phone because you're looking at Instagram, but you're not really looking at Instagram because you're responding to a tweet, but you're not really responding to a tweet because you got something on Facebook that you got to reply to. You know, I was having one of those nights. And, and I was playing fetch with my dog. So I threw the ball, and I wasn't paying attention, and, and Chance kind of ran close to the electrical receptacle thing and unplugged the television. And just kind of, he didn't care. He just kind of kept, kept going. I didn't think about it because I wouldn't watch TV. But the next night, I sat down, grabbed the remote, because the remote is the man's. First hesitations. Chapter 3, verse 6. The man shall hold the remote control. So I'm... I get, I get the remote, and I push the on button, and the TV does not respond. So if you're a man in the room, answer this question. What did I do? Yeah, you push it harder, right? Because you had to use the force, Luke. Like, I'm pushing it. I'm pushing it, and it's not working. I'm like, Ugh! So I change the batteries out. Like, I turn it. You know how you switch the batteries, and you kind of switch it? It's not working. At that moment... I could have gone on to Google and read about remote controls. I could have talked about the elect electrical currents. I could have figured out how things work. I could have done all that. None of it would have mattered. And I finally started thinking, I wonder if the TV's plugged in. I walk over to the TV. It's not plugged in. So I plug the TV in, come over, remote control, work. It was all about a connection. For some people, you've been trying to push the religious buttons for far too long. And it's not about the collection. It's about the connection with Jesus because there's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, every chain. For those of you wrestling with anxiety, Jesus can break that chain. Jesus can break the chain of depression. Jesus can break the chain of loneliness. Jesus can break the chain of fear. Jesus can break the chain of worry. Jesus can break the chain of cancer. Jesus can break the chain of every sickness and every disease. Because if he did it in the scripture, he can do it today. If he did it then, he can do it again. He is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And if you walked in this room today with chains on you, there is power in the name of Jesus to break that chain. So before we do our invitation, I want you to just stand with me. And I want us to pray. Father, I ask right now in the name of Jesus 
for every single person in this room that's carrying, God, the weight. And we thought that do more, try harder will work. Father, that we will surrender that to you right now. Whatever that is, whatever that issue is, we will just literally imagine you breaking that change, Jesus, because there's power in your name to break change. There's power in your name to break change.